it all counts. Did you tell the person on the other side? Come on. Like you really want to. That's right. Every meal, every morning tea you miss, every supper you miss, it counts. It counts in heaven. Every prayer counts. Now turn to them again and tell them you're making a difference. Did you say it with conviction? Because it's true. Okay. But don't worry, it's not too late. If you haven't joined in, it's not too late. There's four more days of our corporate prayer and fasting. Of course, though, I'm not going to stop you. You can keep going after Thursday. If you want to keep going, I'm not going to stop you, but I've had enough. I've had enough. That's it. I'm not going to be praying and fasting for at least a couple of weeks after, after Thursday. That, that will be my lot for a few weeks at least. But more importantly, don't forget to pray. Don't forget to pray. And if you can, come and join us Tuesday night, 6 p.m., Thursday night, 6 p.m., then, of course, tonight. But what about the half night of prayer, 7 to 11? Honestly, it's time for us to pray as a family. It's just going to be awesome. And you're going, why should we do it? Well, it's simply because every prayer counts. And Matthew 6, verse 6 makes it really clear. Our Father who sees in secret will reward you openly. And I'm expecting personally, but also corporately, that God is going to reward us in a very obvious way. Who wants that? That's like five of us. It's all right. We'll we'll get there. We'll we'll build up to it. You know, I'm expecting like the prophetic word that came, that God is going to start making a way, that he's going to leave us astounded, that we're going to start seeing God's power and miracles break out in a greater way. Who knows that it is time for revival? It is time for revival. I want to say, though, okay, somebody's getting excited. Not just corporately, personally, it's time for your healing. It is time for your healing. And you've got to start receiving it and expecting it. It's time that we start seeing God's power moving on a greater way. We are in a season of breakthrough. But you've got to receive it and grab it for it to happen. It's time that God makes a way. But like we heard from Jody at the start of the month, We need to keep persevering. We can't just pray once. We've got to keep going. We must have the faith to know that every prayer counts, that every meal we fast, every sacrifice is counting in heaven, and that we will see answers. Now, if you've got your Bibles, you've got your Bibles? I want you to turn to Daniel 10. This is actually the passage where we get the Daniel fast, the 21-day Daniel fast. Now, if you don't have your Bibles, it's okay, because we have this magical Bible that just appears up on the screen. See, Daniel 10. Oh, there it is. Look, it's just amazing. So Daniel 10, starting with verse 2. In those days, I, Daniel, was mourning three full weeks. I ate no pleasant food, no meat or wine came into my mouth, nor did did I anoint myself at all, till three whole weeks were fulfilled. But see, that's... Daniel fasting. But here's the exciting part, because this is what I sense God is saying to us today, right now. And if you turn to Daniel 10 verse 12, so a little bit further down in the chapter, and guess what, ha- guess what happens? God, well not God, God sends an angel, and an angel comes and meets with Daniel. And this is what Daniel, um, the angel says to Daniel, do not fear Daniel, for from the first day that you set your heart to understand and to humble yourselves before God, you've got to understand it. 
God started working in your life from the first day. From three Fridays back, God started working. And I have come because of your words, it says, or because of your prayers. So church, I want to declare that your healing is on the way. It's not out there. It's on its way. I really sense this this morning. It is time for your breakthrough. Not corporately, individually. It's time for something to change. It's time for us to see that power that, and provision or protection that God's been saying. So right now, I want everyone to close their eyes. What is that one breakthrough? Not the five things, but what is that one thing that you really, really need from God? Is it a loved one to get saved? Because from the start of your fasting, it's on its way. Is it a job, a financial breakthrough, a relationship restored, a physical or emotional healing? It's on its way, church, and you just have to receive it. Let me pray. Father, I thank you in this place right now. You are here. God, and we don't gather around your word just to do church. We gather to receive and be changed. And right in this moment, God, we ask, God, give us the faith to believe, God, that the breakthroughs, the answers, the healings, the miracles are on its way. Father, and as we listen, Lord, as we look in your word, God, speak so clearly. God, we need you to come and we need you to speak. You are the only answer. You are the solution. God, and we turn to you right now and we say, move throughout the service in Jesus' name. We all said, Amen. Well, let me tell you, Prayer and fasting works. I've got a couple of stories that are personal stories I want to share with you. So if you go back three Fridays to that Friday, March the 15th, something else happened. And I was at work and went to work first day of the fast and everything was feeling okay for a while. And then I started feeling a bit sick. And I was like, oh, this is a bit unusual. What's going on? And I just kept pushing through, you know, like every male would do. We kept pushing through. Yeah, all the ladies laugh, it's all right. But I just kept pushing through, and, and I, I was feeling okay, but then it came to about 3.30, and Jody gave me a ring, and she said, oh, um, what time would you like us to come and pick you up from work? And I said, oh, I'm, I'm not feeling that great, so uh, why don't you come, you know, about 4, 4.30, something like that. So she came up, and from the moment I said that to her on the phone, I just started feeling worse. I don't know why that happens, but, you know, it just, it just happens, and started feeling worse, so Jody picked me up, up. I went home, I, I just went straight upstairs to our bedroom and laid down, and then all of a sudden I started feeling really sick, and so I was thrown up a bit, and I was like, oh, this isn't good, and then I went and laid down on the bed again, and I could feel my heart, and it was like, oh, this is weird, it's, it's racing, it's like going really, really fast, so I did what every good guy would do, I texted my mum. Now, mum is a nurse, so it kind of makes a bit more sense, but I texted mum and said, mum, I'm not feeling too good, my heart, the heart is racing. So mum had finished work by then, it was just after five, so she came around in her um, nurse uniform from the hospital, and she turned up and, and she took my pulse, and she said, oh, this isn't too good. She stayed very calm, like, you know, nurses do, and she stayed very calm, but basically... Um, yeah, it took me straight to A&E. And you know how you usually have to wait three or four hours at A&E before anything happens? I was on the bed within five minutes. 
Um, so they plugged me all up to all the machines and put all the stuff. The, the, the first thing the lady said is, oh, you don't have a hairy chest, do you? Because we have to shave it. But I was, I was okay. So I just, just sharing. I didn't share that in the first service. But anyway. So anyway, no, they put all the stuff on. And, and you could just tell things weren't good. And so my blood pressure was through the roof. My heart rate was 142 beats per minute. And it was just going crazy. And they, they, weren't, they were kind of concerned. I'm like just lying there going, oh, I don't really know what's going on. But anyway, they weren't happy at all. And so doing all these tests, they worked out I hadn't had a, a heart attack or anything like that, which was really good. But um, yeah, you can laugh. I'm okay about it. But, you know, so long story short, once I'd done everything, the nurse who was actually looking and assigned to me, looking after me, she's from the church here as well. And, and so once I'd finished everything, mum just pulled the curtain back and, and she prayed. And honestly, I, I couldn't tell you how many minutes, but it was within a few minutes. All of a sudden, the heart rate dropped down to 72 beats per minute and then just kept dropping down from there. The blood pressure just returned back to normal. And I was like, wow. And you know what? I was out of that hospital within an hour and a half. How good is God? That's prayer and fasting working. But you know, on top of that, I, I said that Jody and I have been feeling, well, all four of us, have been through something in this last seven, 17 days. Emma was down at the park with some friends. She stood on this prickle bush and got over 20 prickles in her foot. And we still haven't got them all out yet. And she's not a good patient at all, let me tell you that. But then Thursday, we're at work on Thursday. Jody gets a call from the school and I'm hearing it through the wall. I'm like, she's talking to the school. Somebody had landed on Zach's arm. Well, Zach broke that arm late in November last year. Somebody landed on the arm and they it looked funny and they were pretty sure it was broken. So of course we waited till after school because we're really caring parents. And then um, and then we took Jody took him to A and E and they x-rayed and they couldn't tell because of all the swelling. So they put them all in a cast. And so it's Thursday night, so we're at prayer meeting, we're praying, I'm just saying, God, we're fasting, reward us, we don't want another cast on, especially over conference season. Zach was really worried about soccer, but Jody took him back the next day, they x-rayed his arm, it's not broken. You know, that is God working. That is totally God working. It works, church. You know, Jesus clearly states in Matthew 6, and I love the way he puts this, and we've heard it from Pastor Clark, but I, I just think there's, this, there's a tone in his voice that you need to grab. He tells us three things that I feel he's personally saying, hey, I expect you when I'm gone to be doing this. And he says, when you give, when you pray, and when you fast. It's not if or consider. It's, hey, guys, when I'm gone, I know that you will be giving, vesting, sowing, or tithing regularly into the church. When, you, when I'm gone, you will be praying. And you know what shocks me? Not how many Christians don't pray at home, but how many churches don't even have a prayer meeting? I'm like, have you, Jody read it this morning. My house should be called a house of prayer. That's what God's called us to. There's no, it's not if, it's when. And then it comes to when you fast. I'm feeling God saying, guys, you should be fasting. It should be part of your normal Christian walk. Where if you're a follower of me, you should be fasting. And you're thinking, but how? Well, this is my take. We can all fast something. And if you can't fast food, it's okay. There's so many other things that you can fast, that you can sacrifice and do it on a regular basis. 
And I want to say, we need to consider it. This isn't about, hey, join us for the next four days. This is about the power of prayer and fasting and what can we do. And it shouldn't be taking the church to say, hey, let's pray and fast together for us to go, hey, that's something that I want to do. I want to know God more. I want to see my faith grow. I want to be changed by the power of God. Now, of course, prayer and fasting supercharges our prayers, but it's also a change of perspective. You've got to understand this. When you start saying to your flesh, hey, no, you're not that important. What's really important is not the natural, but the supernatural. That's what happens when you start fasting. You're saying, no, that's what matters. The spiritual realm is what's really important, not this day-to-day life. It's about taking our mindset off the natural and getting it into the supernatural. And that's what happens when we start fasting regularly. We're saying, that's what's important. That's where the important thing is. And you know, it's, fasting is saying, if I'm going to be victorious in life, I'm not going to do it in my own strength. I need God to break out and break through. Because we need God to move, don't we? We need Him to be moving in our lives. And it shouldn't take a crisis or something really bad to happen for us to start fasting. We should be wanting more of God. We should be developing in it. So I really do want to encourage you, fast a bit more. You know what I find fasting does? Fasting says, look, I can't do it in my own strength. I can't do it with my own wisdom. I need God. I need Him to turn up. Now, I want to say clearly, fasting is far more powerful than we realize. The devil knows it. The question is, do you this morning? Now, I know some of you are thinking, ah, Pastor Sam, he's been at the church way too long. He's just been brainwashed. Now, maybe I've been here way too long, and maybe I've been brainwashed, but let me tell you, I've been fasting before I came to this church. Now, we grew up as a family down in the South Island, and I can remember, and I was talking to Dad after the first service, and he can remember too, and he did some silly things while during that fast too. But anyway, this is the point. First experience of fasting, fasted for a few days, I was 12 years old. Why am I saying that? Not because you need to get your kids fasting, but if somebody comes to you and they say, I want to give this a go, find a way of making a way. The reason why I remember it is because I remember finishing the fast, and as a reward, because we didn't do this often, we went to KFC. Let me tell you, going to KFC after a fast is not a good idea. It is really not a good idea. I remember it because none of that KFC stayed in me, and I was rather sick after it. I was worse after the fast than during the fast. But fasting works, and it makes a difference. I know that I've been here for a... been coming to the church a long time, and ever I can guarantee, I'm sure I did it during high school, but I know from when I left high school, I've been praying and fasting most Thursdays since that time, and that's going back over 20-something years now. That's right, I'm getting old. I'm not afraid of my age. I'm not 40 yet, Jody. Stop, stop saying what are we going to do for your 40th. <laughs> but the point is. Fasting makes a difference. And find a way to bring it into your everyday life. Not just on special occasions, but how can I include it in what I do? It works. Heaven notices and heaven is counting. But let me explain this message and and where it came from. See, uh, a few months ago, Pastor Tark came to all the campus pastors and asked us, can you pray for the conference and get a prophetic thought, a prophetic word about what God is going to do at conference. So almost straight away, I, you know, when I was at home, I started praying, and I, and I got this thought humbled. And I'm like, that's weird. 
what does humble have to do with conference? And so anyway, I put that to the side and I kept praying. And, and more than anything, the word humble got stronger. And I, I want to say right now, and this is for somebody here this morning, God is speaking to you. It's just you've got to listen. You've got to stop and you've got to listen because God speaks in a still, small voice. And you can hear him and you can know him and you can understand what he's saying. I mean, God spoke clearly to Elijah in 1 Kings 19, but not in the wind or the earthquake or in the fire. Where? In the still, small voice. And we need to be hearing God personally for ourselves on a regular basis. We need to allow God to move in and break through in our lives and, and shake our days. But you know what? When you start fasting, your natural man goes a bit quieter and your spirit comes a little bit more awake. And I can't encourage you enough. Don't just join us for four, over the four days that are left. See the power of prayer and fasting. Get a revelation of it. But start listening to God a bit more. But anyway, we need to be humble. I'm like, okay, that's, a, that's, that's strange, but it didn't go. So long story short, we were meeting together as, a, as the group of campus pastors. And, and so Pastor Tark asked, so I thought, well, I'm, before I look silly, I thought I'd better say it first because that's a really weird word. So I said, well, I just get the thought we have to be humble. That humble was a key. And, and straight away they started talking about it. I'm like, wow, that's amazing. So the first thought that came out, being humble, that's prayer and fasting. That is what we're doing. We're humbling ourselves before God. And God must, and this was a few, many weeks ago now, God must have more in store for us during prayer and fasting than we realize. And that's what we need to see. God does have more in store for us. But then we started talking about what does it really mean to be humble? And, and, and this is what's amazing. So being humble looks like us waiting patiently for God to move, knowing that we can't do it in our own strength. Man, how true is that? We always try to do it in our own strength, but that's what fasting is saying. We need God to come. Fasting or being humble is trusting God to bring the change when we desperately need it in one or many situations. It's not saying, oh, I'm going to bring the change. It's saying, God, you need to do it. That's what being humble is. It's also surrendering or submitting to God's voice, even though it doesn't make sense. I mean, how often God tells us to do something, and we're like, no, we'd do it this way. But who's going to be right? God's going to be right. And God's going to work. And I'd far rather have God do it than do it in my own strength. The last thought is being humble is staying faithful to what he's asked us to do when our flesh wants us to do anything other than that. We want to do it in our own strength or in our own wisdom. But you know, the Bible makes it really clear that being humble is just about waiting on God. Proverbs 20 says, wait for the Lord. He will save you. Not we will save ourselves. He will save us. And I, you know what? I want God to save me more than anyone else. I want God to intervene. Isaiah 66 says, nor has I seen any God besides you who acts for the one who waits for him, who just sits and waits for God to move. Now, that's not sitting back and doing nothing. That's intentionally waiting, saying, God, I know you're the answer, and I'm not going to do it on my own strength, but I'm going to keep believing, I'm going to keep praying, I'm going to keep persevering. Now, of course, Zechariah 4, verse 6, not in my might, not in my power, but by the Spirit of God. That's what being humble is. And church, the more we can humble and allow God to move, the more we're going to see what happened next? So then straight away, Pastor Julian spoke up and said, well, you know what I saw? I, I saw like a bucket, and you've got, you got to picture this. I saw like a bucket that's at a, um, 
you know, like a pools or at a water park, and it's one of those big buckets that slowly gets filled from the top, and, and it's getting full. And, and as it's filling up, usually there's a little bit of water or a little bit of trickle that's coming over the side. And what he sensed was that as a church, and not just our church, but the church in New Zealand, we're getting satisfied by the trickle that's coming out. But what he's saying, it's time for the bucket to tip, and it's time for a deluge. And I want to say that this morning, church, we, we can't be satisfied with a trickle. It's time for a deluge. And I really believe that God, God wants to pour out his power. Now, this is really biblical because in Romans 5 verse 8, uh, Romans, Revelation 5 verse 8, Pastor Steve was going, it's not in Romans. <laughs> Romans 5 verse 8 says, Each one had a harp and they were holding a golden bowl full of incense, which are the prayers of God's people. See, what God's saying is every prayer counts. Every prayer, every piece of fasting is another drop, another drop in that golden bucket. And you know what? We got to keep going because we can't stop when it's 99% full. We got to wait till it's full and God is willing to pour it out. And who knows we need a deluge of God's power? Who's excited for God to do that? Come on, you need to be getting excited about this because this is what God's going to do. Our prayers count, sacrifice counts, fasting counts, and the golden bowls are getting full. That's not just a good thought. That's what God is saying. Guys, church, family, this is getting full, but you've got to keep praying. You've got to keep fasting. You've got to keep going. Every prayer, every bit of fasting is another drop in that bowl, and we need that deluge. New Zealand needs that deluge. Auckland needs that deluge. Church Unlimited needs that deluge, and we need to keep going. Paul said in Galatians 6 verse 9, In due season we will reap. We will see the blessing poured out without measure if we don't give up. Now what is interesting, and you've got to see this, is last year as a church we booked it in the calendar. Oh yeah, we'll do 10 days of prayer and fasting before conference. That's a good idea. But then Pastor Tark came to a number of us and asked, oh, maybe we should do 21 days. Now, I sat there, and if you were in that room, you'd remember, I sat there quiet. I hadn't mentioned the thought of humble. I got it, but I didn't mention it. Because you know what? Everything in me went, no way are we doing 21 days. I don't want to do it. I, I don't. It's not that I hate fasting. I'm like, we're building up to conference. I can't. 21 days, it's just going to be too hard. I don't want to do it. So I literally said nothing during that whole meeting. Knowing in my spirit we should be doing it, but not wanting to do it at all. Now, of course, we're doing it, but you've got to see God's hand in this. All of a sudden, we're doing 21 days of prayer and fasting, and guess what? We start on March 15th, Friday, March 15th. That is a day that New Zealand will never forget. That is the day that our nation lost its innocence. And why did we start on that day? Not because of coincidence. Because there's no, no such thing as coincidence in God. It's a God incidence. And you've got to see that. It's a God incidence where God is moving, where God is working out. And I want to clearly say that you've got to start seeing that there are God incidences breaking out in your life all the time. But so often we just go, oh, that happened by coincidence? Pretty lucky, eh? No. God's very clear about, I'm in control. I am moving. I'm working. Now, that's not to say God had anything to do with a terrorist attack. It's saying that God knew. And he's saying, look, I'm going to get one of the largest churches in our nation. I'm going to get them praying and fasting because you know what? This nation needs it. This nation needs a church that's going to rise up and pray and say, look, we need something to break out. 
Now, I want to take a moment and just talk about what happened down in Christchurch, because so much stuff has been brought up with it, and so much stuff has been said publicly and on social media. And I saw a statement from uh, Pastor Rick Warren, who wrote the book uh, Purpose Given, uh, Driven Life, and I thought it really summed up our situation in, as society, but also our stance as a church. And this is what it said. Our culture has accepted two huge lies. First, is that if you disagree with someone's lifestyle, you must fear or hate them. No, no. We, we must disagree or hate the sin, but we have to love the sinner. God died for everyone, every single person, and we have to show love, and we have to love whoever God puts in front of us, whoever God puts around us. But second, is that to love someone mean, means you agree with everything they believe or do. No, both are nonsense. You don't have to, um, you don't have to, I've got to say this right, compromise convictions to be compassionate. See, I think it's time that the church, not our church, our church included, but the church, the church in New Zealand starts getting known for what we believe in, not we disagree with. We've got to start being known what we stand for, not what we stand against. And that's what the church around New Zealand needs to be standing for. And now, if, this, if you did this, please don't take this personally, but this is my take. When that prayer, that two-minute prayer got put across the airwaves, I didn't agree with that happening. But the amount of stuff that got put out on social media and got said, I'm like, you know what? If Christians across our nation believed in the power of a two-minute prayer to a God that doesn't exist as much as they did, the next day, every, church, every prayer meeting and every church should have been jam-packed with people praying and believing and crying out to the one true God. Isn't that true? You know, I'm like, we're missing this. They're praying to a God that doesn't exist, and we're praying to the King of Kings and Lord of Lords. We're praying to the creator of the universe, and we're worried about a two-minute prayer. No, we need to be going, hold on. If we're that worried about that, we need to get on our knees and start crying out for our nation because we know that God is unlimited. We know that he is the savior of the world. Uh, and this needs to, right across the nation, it needs to drive us to our knees. Now, Church, it's not a coincidence. God arranged us to be praying and fasting. And why are we praying for New Zealand and beyond? Because that is what New Zealand and beyond is about. It's about seeing our nation turn back to God. And we need it like never before. We need New Zealand to turn back to Jesus because it's getting so much more godless. We need God to break out in our communities. But it's not just about the terror attacks. I am so concerned about the number of suicides that we're hearing about and we're seeing. It's like, what's going on? I tell you what's going on. People are getting more and more hopeless because our nation is removing God from everything. And where is hope found? It's found in one person, and that is in Jesus Christ. And we need God to turn up. We need that deluge that Pastor Julian saw prophetically. We need God to turn up. But I, I don't want to finish there. I, I want you to see. I want you to see that it's not coincidence. It's a God incident that this week we were reading in Esther. And I hope you read it because it's amazing what God is doing through soul food. But I, I'm just like, wow, God, what have you got going on? I, and it just two things really stood out as I read the book of Esther. Two things. Number one, if you read through the whole book of Easter, not once is God mentioned. 
And I think, wow, that's really interesting. What's really interesting is the reason why that happened is because they assumed that whenever the Jews or God's people did anything, that was God working. And see, that needs to be our stance. Whenever God does, whenever we do anything, it's because God's doing it. We're not saying, I did that in my strength. No, we did it because God was working and God was orchestrating and God was working. And we need to see that God is working and God is working in your life and we need to know that he is moving, he is shaking, he is bringing change. And we have to see it through those eyes and not be going, oh, look what I did. No, look what God did. And we need to be going to God more and more on our knees and saying, God, I need you to come. I need you to work. I need you to bring change. And if we have that stance, but the other thing, And I think this is what we should have been like at March 15. If you look at Esther 4 verse 3, I I, I love their response. You've got to see this. So Esther 4 verse 3, this is exactly what happens, okay? So a decision gets made, and this law goes out right across the land, and, and it basically says that on a certain day, every Jew, every God, every one of God's people, they're going to get killed on a certain day. And this is right across the land. This is across every province without anyone standing up and going, we need to pray and fast. This is what the scripture says. In every province where the king command and decree arrived, there was great mourning among the Jews with fasting, weeping and wailing, and many lay in sackcloth and ashes. What's that saying? In unison, straight away, they knew their only answer was to pray and fast. You know, imagine if what happened down in Christchurch all of a sudden, without anyone saying it, the Christians across our nation just started praying and fasting. And we heard from Cape to the Bluff, everywhere, they were praying and fasting because why? Because that's the answer. And they knew that's the way. And you know, there were so many things throughout the book of Esther where God kept working, God kept moving, God kept bringing change. And that's what it's about. When we pray and fast, it makes a difference. Every prayer you pray counts. And it's going into that bowl, and it's going to move, and it's going to bring change. And you have to start seeing that if you don't pray, there's something missing from that bowl. If you don't fast, there's something missing from sitting over our nation, seeing God poured out. And we need Him to get poured out, don't we? Now, I'm finishing if the band just wants to come. But we've got to see that it's time that we get on our knees. We've got to stop fighting our amongst ourselves and we're even trying to sort it out because guess what? No political party, no law is going to change our nation. There's only one person who's going to change that nation and his name is Jesus. And we have to know that. Now Jody read it before and I'm finishing with this. When Esther was about to go before the queen, uh, before the king, she knew that the only solution wasn't just for her to pray and fast, but to get everyone she knew to pray and fast for three days. In that moment, in that moment, she said, Heaven, take notice of this. We need you to come. I'm going to do my part, but God, you have to do your part and you have to come. Now, we have to love everyone we can, but we've got to pray and fast because God is the only answer. And church, I just hope you're getting it this morning. I'd love for you to just come and pray and and do a little bit more over these four days, but you've got to see more than anything, New Zealand, Auckland, West Auckland, our communities, even our families, they need us to be praying and fasting. They need us to be stepping in and seeing God's 
to move and change and make a way. And church, it all counts. Every bit you do makes a difference. Don't think it doesn't because it really does. And it's time for God to pour out his deluge upon New Zealand. Isn't that true? Well, why don't we stand to our feet because we're going to sing that song, Waymaker, and it's time for God to make a way. So I don't, I don't want you to sing the song. I want you to declare it over your personal situation, over New Zealand. Let's believe that God is going to make a way.